You can now subscribe and save 20% every time you get your Strava Craft coffee sent straight to your door. That's right. Sign up and have it sent to your door every two, three, six, or eight weeks and get 20% off every single time. You won't have to worry about that panic you have in the morning when you go into the pantry and you're out of coffee and then you got to, you know, put on some sweats and go down to Starbucks or wherever you get your coffee. No, just get that Strava Craft coffee sent straight to your door on that interval that you know it takes for you to use up a bag of coffee and save money every time. It is an absolute no-brainer. If you haven't had the rich CBD-infused Strava Craft coffee, why don't you try it now? Just use that code DNVR20. You can try it once and see if you end up wanting to have it sent straight to your door. So check them out, StravaCraftCoffee.com, and get in on that DNVR20 promo code or subscribe and save 20% off every single time. to digest from that one zach welcome into the dnvr broncos podcast presented by msu denver online msudenver.edu slash online that's the website that's how you check out all they have to offer 40 plus online and hybrid programs and 750 total classes so you can learn anything you want heck zach they might even offer a class in catching footballs i don't know uh but you know 750 classes there might be something out there uh, for some people who might need help with that. Um, but check them out, msudenver.edu slash online. Rigorous and affordable programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the into the classroom. And MSU Denver graduates, and should I, uh, should I say uh, attendees, work twice as many hours as any other institution in Colorado. So if you're looking to get that degree while working full-time, MSU Denver is your place. Ryan, a, a class in teaching passes, a class in winning, because the Broncos went up against the team that needs that class the most, and they failed harder than that team today. And it was just everything pretty much went wrong today, Ryan. This was, uh, you know, for it being a close loss, there are so many areas to point the finger at. Yeah, Zach, and we'll start with our biggest takeaways uh, and I hate to start here, but it, it's it's the biggest thing on everyone's mind. Uh, Jerry Judy had the game from hell. Um, you know, I was talking to D-Line and Henry, who are here uh, watching the game at the bar after, uh, after the tailgate, and I told him, I said, Jerry Judy is one big play away from having the worst and best game of his career on the same day. Because his stats, if you look away from everything, you'd say, oh, that's a pretty darn good good game for Jerry Judy. I think he's had one better than them. Um, I think he, he yardage-wise, he's had one better game. But he should have probably had, Zach, over 150 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and 
I totally understand the frustration of Broncos fans. It was one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. Five drops from Jerry Judy in the game with the worst, of course, being one that would have absolutely put the Broncos in field goal range uh, at the very end of the game. So, unfortunately, my biggest takeaway from this game is that Jerry Judy left the best game of his career out there on the field and also left the game out there on the field. And and it hurts. It hurts to say. Not one, not two, not three. I mean, it's hard to believe that he had five drops. Ryan, that's the most in the NFL this season for a wide receiver. And it's the most for a wide receiver since I think 2015, according to ESPN stats and information. And that was when he had four. And then he added the big one on top of it. And I mean, how sweet would it have been for Jerry Judy to just overcome that huge hurdle uh, of four drops if he catches that last one, either runs it in for a touchdown and Broncos win, or at least sets up the game, the game tying field goal. Broncos go into overtime. Then it's not on them uh, if they win or lose, or then it's not on him if they end up losing that game. Uh, but just a brutal, brutal day. And after the game, Ryan, Vic Fangio actually said this could be a career defining moment for Jerry Judy. See how he comes out and practice this week. See how he performs next week. And Ryan, you can't talk about Jerry Judy today without talking about everything that's gone on the past, you know, month of this season because not only has Jerry Judy had four catches in the last four games entering today. Four in the last four games. But, of course, he's had the tweets about conditioning. There's been some more cryptic tweets that people have read into. And that certainly doesn't look good on a day when you have five drop passes. And this was finally the first game where you can't say, oh, the opportunity wasn't there for Jerry. 15 targets. 15 targets. The opportunity was certainly there. It was there, and he had a great opportunity to have an insane game. And, you know, he could have been on Twitter right now talking about all the haters who doubted him, and he could have had the game-winning catch. He could have had four drops in the game-winning catch and still been able to, you know, probably uh, defend himself uh, if he needed to. Like, I don't know what he could possibly say at this point other than I'm sorry. Um, because that was just unacceptable. Now, it's not all on him, of course. Uh, the offense was anemic the entire day. Drew Locke wasn't good enough. Uh, Vic Fangio had some questionable decisions, I thought, and we'll talk about uh, the, the end of the game here in the second. Um, you know, the defense broke at the worst possible moment after they had been playing great for the entire second half. So uh, I'm not saying, you know, put the entire loss on Jerry Judy's shoulders. But I guess what I am saying is maybe deactivate Twitter for a few weeks uh, and just because unfortunately I hate this stuff. I hate when the fans pile on to a guy uh, and, and you know now he's a bust, which I think is absolutely absurd and this, that and the other. But you invite that when you act a fool on social media, you, you can't have it both ways. So, I understand why the fans are frustrated. I understand why they expect more from a guy who's going to act like that. I also disagree with anyone who thinks that Jerry Judy is a bust at this point. Uh, Emphatically, I disagree with them. So there's always layers and there's always nuance. um, But he talked a big game. 
And whatever the opposite of backing it up is what happened today. Yeah, exactly. And Ryan, my my biggest concern that goes beyond this game is Drew Locke and Jerry Judy. Because at first, you know, it's like, ah, it's just, you know, a, a rookie wide receiver and a young quarterback not getting on the same page. But this is really, really bad. And the expectations that Jerry Judy had coming into this year, what Drew Locke, how much Jerry Judy could help Drew Locke. And those guys have only hurt each other this year. And it, it's it's crazy. I mean, that their, their completion percentage is like 40% right now. That's that's concerning and alarming moving forward, uh, especially with only one game left in the season. Unless Jerry Judy comes out next week, has 10 catches on 12 targets. And we're talking about what a great bounce back for both of those guys. They're on the same page. This is going to be a question going into next year if the Broncos do stick with Drew Locke, because I imagine they're going to stick with Jerry Judy. Uh, so that that's kind of the, the big takeaway from this game is, holy cow, like what is truly wrong with Drew Locke and Jerry Judy? Because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, one thing I will say is I liked that Drew kept going back to him and kept going back to him and kept going back to him. You know, uh, our, our friend Vic Lombardi used a um, an analogy of like being on the golf course with the driver. Like if you hit a bad drive, some people do. Most people don't just say like, all right, I'm done with the driver today. You hit it on the next tee and you try and fix it. And this is my tinfoil hat-ish theory ooh, as to ooh. what's been going on recently. Uh you know, for a while, Jerry Judy hasn't been getting targeted. And there's a part of me, a small part of me, that thinks that Drew Locke didn't trust, doesn't trust him. And, you know, if these if these things are happening in practice, which we obviously don't know if they are, um, he, it's hard for a quarterback to trust a receiver in those big spots. And, you know, Drew Locke gets crushed every single week when the film comes out and Jerry Judy was wide open and he didn't throw it to him. There's part of me that thinks... Drew doesn't trust him. Then the next step of the tinfoil hat theory is someone got in Drew's ear this week and said, hey, look, man, throw him the rock. He's our first round pick. He's upset. We got to get him the ball. So just force feed him. So Drew today said, fine. Uh, And I mean, you know why guys normally don't have five drops in a game, Zach? Because once they get two drops, they don't get the ball thrown their way. Exactly. (laughs) I I would bet with a lot of money that no Peyton Manning receiver ever had five drops in a game because as soon as they had two, they were effectively dead to him. So I kind of like the fact that Drew started going back to him um, and, and kept giving him opportunities, although then you go down another path, which is like, is this the leaving the star- your starting pitcher on the hill while he's getting shelled and you're hurting his confidence long-term? I don't know. Uh, but I I liked, I liked that Drew kept giving him opportunities, and I <laughs> – Jerry's one play away from redeeming himself in this game, uh, and he would have gone over a hundred yards, and you know would have it would have been it would have been awesome. But unfortunately, it, it didn't happen, and uh, they're going to have to work on that chemistry. If Drew is the quarterback moving forward, we'll obviously have that conversation here in a second as to where that happened. Zach, aside from Jerry, what's your biggest takeaway from this one? Just you know, speaking of just how things were never going right, that very last drive that the Broncos had, Ryan, those two first pass plays just kind of summed up the Broncos' offense to me on the day. The first one, Drew has Deshaun Hamilton wide open in what would have been a perfect play to start off the drive, and he just totally misses him. Drew was – it wasn't all on Jerry today. 
now, when we talk about things other than Jerry, Drew has to be in this conversation. To me, he certainly wasn't good enough to, to win this game. Uh, did he have things go against him that weren't his fault? Absolutely he did, but he also didn't overcome them. He played, I think he took a little step back again, a little one, not, not a huge one, but so that play, and then you have the next play where Jerry Judy has a drop. Those two plays right there just sum up the Broncos offense for me. So a big takeaway is we're talking about this offense just not clicking all game. And yet it was still a three-point game near the end of the game because the defense, until they needed them the most, Ryan, they were tremendous with, you know, Parnell Motley in there saving touchdowns and, and keeping the Broncos in the game. Vic Fangio benching one of his cornerbacks and turns out to be the right move for the team. And the defense without Bradley Chubb, without their two starting cornerbacks, Shelby Harris is a beast in this defense just – it really shuts down Justin Herbert for the most part compared to what Justin Herbert's been doing. And then at the very, very end, instead of bending, they break. And it was that's just the story of the 2020 Broncos and especially this game. Man, the defense was great until they needed them the most. But I'm not putting this on them. If you hold the team to 19 points, you should absolutely win the game. Yes, uh, you should. And that leads me to i guess probably the most important conversation zach because this game we said from the from the jump don't win uh and it was all playing out as if i had foreseen it because i was like oh my god they're gonna come back they're gonna win the game they're gonna beat the raiders next week they're gonna go seven and nine and they're going to get uh second place in the division and the 17th overall pick and it will feel like we just uh, worked, you know, a 60 hour week and got paid $0 for it. Um, so thankfully in a weird way, it didn't work out like that. Uh, you know, I think we might look back later and say, well, it's a good thing that Jerry Judy dropped that pass. Um, but I know no one wants to hear about that right now. The question is the best case scenario, in my opinion, for this game was Broncos lose drew lock plays. Well, as most things normally do it somehow fell right in the middle how do you come away where did the drew lock meter move for you today did it did it move it 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 didn't really move if i had to sway it one way or the other it probably would have been a little step back because ryan uh we've seen drew lock come alive in the fourth quarter before so i wasn't surprised to see that happen especially against a chargers team that likes to charger i do think i throw that in the equation here uh, but he just, you know, I, I know that Jerry Judy dropped that touchdown. And, and what was that, the third quarter? Was that the first half uh, where it hit was, both of his hands? That, that was a really good throw. But I still, think it was the fourth quarter. It was a long fourth quarter. Wow, that was a long fourth <laughs> quarter. Uh, but, but still, you got to be able to overcome those plays and actually get in the end zone before the fourth quarter. So uh, just he, he, he didn't look like, you know, the the – the Justin Herbert who goes out there today and doesn't have the best game ever, but he still makes the plays that are needed uh, and puts up the most passing touchdowns for a rookie quarterback in the history of the NFL. I mean, just what we're looking at, Ryan, Drew Locke can be a good quarterback, but just the consistency I haven't seen. And I don't know how you don't look around the room and say, oh my gosh, there's a Patrick Mahomes in the division for the next 10 years. There's a Justin Herbert in the division for the next decade as well. How can you not want to see 
more and more consistency. And that that's just where I'm. And obviously the, the, the expectation level has to be fair. You can't expect the next Justin Herbert. So where do you draw that line? And so to me today, looking at all of that, a little step back from Drew, even though he, he wasn't terrible today. No. And, you know, people absolutely killed me for this for the last time I did it. So I'm not going to do it this time because I don't really feel like bringing that energy uh, into my life. But I bet you if you went through uh, and just re-added the Jerry Judy drops Drew Locke stat line, you come away with something pretty pretty darn good. Uh, over 300 yards for for maybe the first time all year. Is that Would that be right? Um, it could be because he didn't have 300 against uh, the Panthers. So, you know, uh, another touchdown. Obviously, uh, you know, you're not holding that second interception against him, although it will be in his stats at the end of the season. Um, it, it looks it'll it would look a whole whole lot different. Um, but for me, it's it's the meter was flat, um, just like the Broncos offensive energy meter for the first three quarters. Um, you know, it you'll love the fourth quarter juice. Um, you love to see the, you know, him lead him back down there. You love to see the dimes that he threw. Um, the most impressive one to me is the throw on the run to Noah Fant, um, that put them into field goal range to tie up the game. Thought that was incredible. You know, people talk about, well, he doesn't show those elite flashes. I see them. Um, that was, that was an elite flash. Unfortunately, there were multiple other elite flashes that ended in Jerry Judy drops the throw to Jerry Judy in the back of the end zone is as good of a throw as you'll ever see from anyone. It was in a perfect spot. Uh, the throw to Jerry Judy at the end of the game was a was an absolute dime. What, 50 yards down the field through the yep. air? Yeah. Um, so the elite flashes were there today, which you do love to see. Unfortunately, there's just so much meh in there. And, you know, the one, the, the, the one thing that just he can't get rid of is the – just understand the situation thing. Like it's three, it's a three zero game, drew you're down by three. It's third down. You're comfortably in field goal range. You don't need to be special. Just be smart. And the funny thing is when I watch the replay, I'm not as mad about the decision as I am the throw decision was like a six out of 10. The throw was like a two out of 10. Uh, the decision, like he was open. There was a spot for him to put that ball. The problem is you got to drop it down and, you're going one way, trying to move your body back the other way. The decision wasn't as bad as I originally thought, but the situational awareness is. Uh, and you just you can't put the ball in harm's way there. And so if you don't have a clear way to throw that pass, don't throw it. It's 3-3. You know, you look back just like you could after the KC game and say, well, those three points sure would have come in handy later. Now, so would the three points that Brandon McManus missed when he had two opportunities at it. So, again, you could. there's always plenty of places to point the finger. Yeah, and as Pastor Rhett chimes in with the great point, says, as is tradition, Drew Locke indiscriminately feeds both haters and stands alike. What a king. And it's, it's true. If you don't like Drew Locke, you can point to plenty of things in this game. If you do like Drew Locke, you can point to plenty of things and this game as well. And that that's just it's a tough place to be in the NFL because great quarterbacks, Ryan, they rarely feed the 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 bad crowd. And Drew Drew is young. And the Broncos now, Ryan, I think in one game from now, one week from right now, 
are going to be in this position where if you like Drew, you're going to say he's he's you're going to be able to make the excuses. If you don't like Drew, you're going to be able to point to things uh, where he isn't the guy. And that's kind of the worst place to be, as we said at the beginning of this season. We said this season is all about finding out what Drew Locke is. At the end of this season, it really looks like we're going to be saying, what is Drew Locke? Who yeah. is he right now? And so it's a tough spot to be in, uh, but not not everything on him or on the offense was on him today. Uh, but that first interception, Ryan, it is so killer because that was just the play that happened a couple of weeks ago in Kansas City. Just three days ago, he was talking to us about how those are the plays that he can't make. Those are the plays that he's gotten better at over the past two weeks because he didn't have a pick in the past two weeks. Now he had a fumble in both of those games, but not an interception. We were encouraged by what we were seeing. And then just one bad pass in this game that that does that really takes away from not only his stats but also the game who knows what happens if the broncos make it there maybe they're going into overtime maybe they win maybe justin herbert doesn't have a chance at the end there yeah um man just frustrating all right i want to go through a couple decisions with you um uh, let's work backwards starting at the end 67 yard field goal or 50 yard hail mary what do you prefer I think you have a better chance at the 67-yard field goal. I do too. Especially when Deontay Spencer is the one down there. That That's the one thing that I did not like. I really didn't like about Jerry. Why isn't Jerry Judy out there? I mean, I know he's not like a 6'6 uh, master that can pluck the ball out of the air, but uh, get him in. I know he just had a drop, but get him in there. Yeah, could you imagine, though, if like the he dropped the hand there? <laughs> Oh, that would have been something. And and PFF actually credited uh, Jerry with seven drops on the day. So uh, somewhere between five and seven. Yikes. If it's seven, that could be close to a record. Um, I, I mean, just Deontay Spencer, like definitely like no, it was no fan out there. I, I mean, I don't I don't know. And of course, their receiver, Mike Williams, gets the pick, of course. Like, seven feet in the air above Deontay Spencer's head. Um, I just think you have to try the 67 yard. Uh, Like, I don't know what, I mean, maybe they have someone who knows the analytics on these things. Knowing the Broncos, I kind of doubt it, but I would just expect you have a higher chance of making a 67 yard field goal. Um, What I will say is they said during the broadcast that Brandon McManus was struggling in warmups. And usually they base what, the decisions they're going to make off, which is off of what you were doing in warmups. So I would venture to guess that Brandon McManus didn't make any 67 yard field goals in warmups. Um, and with that in mind, I'm not going to crush Vic Fangio for that decision, but not the one I would have made. Yeah, cer- certainly not. Especially with guys like Deontay Spencer in there. I'm letting Brandon try. And you know what? He might've been struggling, but how often does he kick a 67 yard field goal? Never. So I, I just would have given him a chance uh, unless Vic was thinking, you know, let's go with the one that has the worst odds, because as we found out this morning, Vic's coming back next year. Might as well get a better draft pick, Ryan. There was a moment in there, and I want to talk about this other situation where I wondered if if there was something like that going on. Um, now, this decision ended up working out kind of. Um, you could make a case both ways. It's kind of like any Drew Locke argument. Um this was how much time was left? Six, six minutes, seven minutes. Yep. Uh, fourth and seven, I believe. 
from around the 40-yard line. Uh, I'm ballparking a, a lot of things here, but I think I'm ge- generally right. Uh, I didn't write it down. Um, Broncos take the field goal. It was a 52-yarder, so I guess it was actually um, a little bit closer than that. They're on the 35. Uh, and Brandon McManus makes it. At that point, it makes it a 10-point game from a 13-point game, right? Or was it a 16-point game, 16 game to a 13-point game? No, it's 13 to 10. Yep. So – Two-score game to a two-score game. At the time, I really, really disagreed with it uh, because I didn't expect the defense to go out there and dig dig their heels in the way they did, so credit to them. But if you do end up converting that, like you did on the next very next drive, you converted a fourth and seven that you needed, um, then obviously your chances of winning this football game go up, especially if the defense you know continues to be that strong. So, Zach, what did you think of that one? I, I would kick the field goal like Vic did just because, Ryan, I didn't even think about it until I saw your tweet come across. So for me, it was easy. It was just take the points. There's enough time left. But I totally see your side because it's a two-possession game where you don't need like two extra points. It wasn't a 16-point game where you needed two touchdowns and two two-point conversions on top of it. So what, what are you really doing differently here? Um, but I, I would have kicked the field goal because there was enough time left, I thought. Yes, and that was proven out to be correct, right? You got you were able to tie the game up now. Uh you t- you know, you gave them the ball back when you tied the game up. But again, if your defense makes one more stop, you probably win the game. Um so it ended up being correct, and it's one of those times where I look and say, okay, sometimes they know what they're doing even even when I don't think they do. And they get paid a lot more than I do, so I'm sorry. Uh I, I think that was one of those times where I'm like, okay, that actually Pour itself out. They made the right decision. They tied the game up. They could have taken the lead if they were able to, uh, you know, punch one of those in. But anyways, that was the other one. And I'm trying to think if there was another decision that I wanted to discuss. I don't think so. Um, so, man, it's I, – I, I get the frustration from fans. I think everyone needs to give Jerry Judy just a little bit of a break as a rookie – um, I know that's hard now, but maybe you know tomorrow or something you'll you'll look back and say, "Hey, let's let's give Jerry Judy a chance because he's open for a reason. That's why the ball keeps going his way." Ryan, do you agree with Vic that this could be a career-defining moment for him? Because Vic didn't say that after the game, after Jerry Judy had caught a 75-yard touchdown pass to win the game for the Broncos, and you know easily saying that was a career-defining moment. He said it when the career-defining moment is still out there to be had. I mean, if Jerry Judy comes out next week and has one catch on three targets with two drops for seven yards, you know, the question could be easily posed to Vic and say, uh, was that career defining? I mean, did Jerry Judy just end his career right here? Did he end it? Should we be talking about bust? I mean, do you agree with how high the stakes are that Vic put out there? I think what Vic was saying is that this can be a turning point for him where he realizes I'm not letting this happen again. And, and he makes changes. Uh, and I don't know. I, you've probably seen me looking down a couple of times here. I've been searching for an old story that I wrote uh, about Noah Fant. Uh, and I'm about to tweet this out if you guys want to go read it. But it's a conversation I actually had with Noah Fant's mom the day after he was drafted. Uh, and she told me about a turning point in Noah Fant's career at Iowa. And unsurprisingly, as I set this up, he had a drop. It was an overtime. They were down seven. 
They needed a touchdown to tie the game. It was fourth and three. Got a perfect ball on him, and he dropped it. And he cost his team the game. And, uh, you know, as his mom told the story, he was damn near inconsolable after the game. In tears, just felt like he'd let those down around him who who worked just as hard as he did. And, uh, you know, as she described it, she said, you know, he picked his – picked himself up he went and talked to the media which jerry judy did do today um and he made that a turning point he never wanted to feel that way again and zach it's different in college but let me look here right after that game uh he scored a touchdown against minnesota the next game he had two touchdowns against ohio state the next game he had another touchdown uh against purdue and then the next game after that, he had 116 yards and two touchdowns. And the last game after that, he scored another touchdown. So he scored a touchdown in every single game to finish the season after that drop that cost his team the game. Um, and that's when Noah Fant became the Noah Fant that we know now. That's when everyone started talking about him as a first-round prospect, dominant tight end, all those things. Uh, and so, uh, like I said, this is the pros. It's not college. But – those things stick with you. And that clearly was a was a career-defining moment for Noah Fant. So, Jerry Judy, maybe he should go talk to Noah Fant about what he did after that game and how he was able to turn that into a positive in the overarching arc of his career. And I think that's kind of what Vic Fangio is pointing at, is does Jerry Judy look at this and say, I'm never letting this happen again? And does he actually make that happen? Right. Exactly. Uh, and one thing that you like is all of his teammates, you know, supported him on the sidelines after his first, second, third, fourth drop uh, of the game. And Judy also doesn't have a big issue with his hands. I mean, he hasn't had that throughout his career entering this year. So, Ryan, this is a mental thing. Can he get it corrected? Uh, and can he get it, you know, short term corrected for next week? I would do exactly what the Broncos did to start the first half today uh, and to start the second half. They got the ball to Noah Fan, or they got the ball to Jerry Judy on the first play of both halves. I would do that again next week, and maybe you don't have to target him 15 times in, in case there's a repeat of this. But you know, get get him seven targets and see if he can haul five of them in. Because if you're gonna roll with Drew Locke too, you don't just need Jerry Judy to feel confident. You need Drew Locke to feel confident in him and Jerry Judy to feel confident in Drew Locke just because of how messed up their chemistry has been this year. Yeah, keep forcing that chemistry. Um, Jerry Judy, might I recommend a Breck brew, uh, uh, for your sorrows, um, Breck brew always there when you need it. And, uh, they've got so many different great beers, including probably the most beautiful can in history, the Broncos country, hoppy pale ale. They got that old school logo on there. It's extremely sexy. Um, they've got also got the mile high city copper lager, which is now back in season with the nuggets back on the floor. Um, they've got the avalanche amber ale they've got almost all the bases covered just need to get the rockies in there uh but they also have all the bases covers when it comes to your favorite beer whatever your favorite beer is try breck brews version of that beer and i just about guarantee you won't be disappointed oh and since we're talking about jerry judy ryan he just bought his mom a house this past week announced it on twitter and i hope he called our friends mike and virginia chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage to get her set up with mortgage, or he may have just paid it off. But if you need help 
with a mortgage, make sure to give our friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier a call. They're not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alum. Say it with me, Ryan. Go Rams. Never. They have, they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience. So give them a visit at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. And if you want to refinance because you see those rates are so good, well, give them a call because they won't just tell you how good the rates are, but they'll look at your entire financial picture in order to get you set up in the best way possible. Mike is a certified financial planner, so he looks at everything when doing this. So give them a check at dnvrmortgage.com or call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578. Check them out, dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. All right, Zach. Well, we touched a little bit uh, on who's who's to blame for this loss, but let's rank them uh, because we can do that here. Um, so give me your top three reasons, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a person. Uh, but your top three reasons why the Denver Broncos lost today. Jerry Judy, man, I, I I hate I hate to just just pick on one guy, but Ryan, we talked about it. It could be a historic game for how many drops he had and how brutal it was. And there was a chance for him to save it all and turn that career defining moment around in this game itself. So unfortunately, going with him. The second one, Ryan, is Brandon McManus. I mean, Boy, he he came up big when you needed the 50-plus yarders at the end of the game. But when you have an opportunity to kick a a, a field goal after you missed one because the other team jumps off sides and you miss that one and you're a kicker coming back, and, and man, Tom McMahon said he never wants to coach a game without Brandon McManus again. Well, he let the team down today out there, and he he wasn't good in in uh, pregame, according to the broadcast. They showed a couple of his missed kicks as well. So I'm going him number two, a guy we haven't talked about, and then three, just the offense in general. Six, 16 points should never get it done. The, the Broncos should not have won the game, and I'm not going to put anything on the defensive side here because 19 points, you should win any single game, especially going up against a rookie who's statistically having one of the best rookie seasons of all time. And they really, really limited him today. So 16 points goes on the entire offense. Yeah, uh, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, The offense as a whole bears a lot of the blame. And I might just put that as number one because it's encapsulating, but then I might run out of other people to blame. Um, I, I guess Tom McMahon, uh, probably deserves a, a a big heaping a big heap of blame. Um, his special teams units, whether you want to point to Brandon McManus today, and I, I realize it's that's not really Tom McMahon's fault that Brandon McManus missed that field goal, but you know, um, it's you're the boss and you're you're responsible for your employees. So that wasn't good. The coverage wasn't good. Uh, obviously, they start the game on the wrong foot and basically just hand the Chargers three points right off the bat. Um, those are the type of things you just can't have happen. So, uh, yeah, it's offense. It's Tom McMahon. And then I don't know where to go if I encapsulated, you know, so much in the offense. But, if you know, it, Jerry Judy obviously uh, deserves some part of the blame here today. I, I don't like doing it because, again, I don't, le- I don't like saying things that people turn into, uh, into fodder 
for the overreaction, right? Jerry, I said it once, but I'm going to say it again. Jerry Judy is at fault for, for why the Broncos lost today. Jerry Judy is not a bust. Those two things are worlds apart. And Jerry Judy having severe drop issues right now, very obviously, and Jerry Judy being a bust are very, very far apart. So I don't like, I feel uncomfortable saying that and putting blame on Jerry Judy where it obviously belongs because people will take that and turn it into, oh, Jerry Judy's a bust. You know, even the media is saying it. Jerry Judy is not a bust, uh, but he has a lot of work to do. Uh, and like I just said, you know, about Noah Fant, hopefully this can be a turning point for Jerry Judy. And we have a turning point here on the show because we have our guy, Andrew Mason. Let's bring him in. Mace. What's up? Hey, I'm, you know what? I just came in on the tail end of that, but I'm glad you brought up Noah Fant from last year because I, so much about this game sort of reminded me of what Noah Fant did in that Kansas City game last year. And I I expect there'll be a turning point for him. I mean, are you, I mean, yeah, everyone has every right to be frustrated with this, but the fact that people are sitting here and calling him a bust, one game left in his rookie season, I, I, honestly – that's farcical. He had a really bad day. He had a day the likes of which he's never had. And I expect he will not have a day like this again. I think you're completely right. Um, it'll be tough for him to have a day like this again. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I also referenced, and I just tweeted it out, a story that I wrote about Noah Fant, Mace, about how he had a drop when he was in college at Iowa um, that was a really big turning point in his career. Uh, and, and he talked about it the day after he was drafted. His mom talked about it the day after he was drafted. He scored seven touchdowns in the five games after that drop. So obviously, you know, Jerry Judy doesn't have five games left in this season, but maybe he can go out next week um, and just, you know, be more focused on, on the football. you like, clearly there's a disconnect between his eyes and his hands. That's how drops happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very, like, it's a very simple thing to fix it's merely just focus uh i think today you know you'd think that after it happens once twice you start thinking about it a lot more like you would think your focus would be at an all-time high i think that you know he knows that he's run his mouth a little bit recently Mm -hmm. he had the drop then he's like okay well the next time i get the ball i'm scoring a touchdown and that causes another drop and then at some point like you just get the yips Literally, there's can just be times where your like where your brain and your your body is just not on the same page. I think that's what happened. He, he had a case of the yips. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you are a golfer. You know all about. I mean, I hope you haven't had the yips as a golfer, but you know, any golfer knows what that. Yeah, if you play golf long enough, you know what it feels like, and it just and, and you know we see it in baseball sometimes as well. They would call it Steve Blast disease back in the day. Chuck Knobloch uh, had an issue. These are strictly. These are strictly mental things. You know, Mackie Sasser is another name a Mets fan might know. These are strictly mental things. You know, some of those guys, you know, in baseball, it's one of those things you don't see guys get over. In football, the drops in particular, the mental part, that is something you do see a lot of guys overcome. Like I mentioned in the story that I wrote uh, over on DNVR.com, of course, earlier this week, there's a history, even with the Broncos, just focusing on guys that Zach Azani has worked with, of guys who have dramatically improved their drop rates from year one to year two and on into year three. And even with a game like this, I expect Jerry Judy is going to have a similar improvement with with it, for starters, having an offseason that's just going to be normal. And the other thing that I was in 
encouraged that I was encouraged by as far as Judy and also drew this factors in that drew Locke is drew going up and talking to him and actually giving him some encouraging words on the sideline. I mean, that that's what you want your quarterback to do. And Drew kind of being self-deprecating about it, saying, Hey, if anybody knows uh, was in position to hang his head this year, it's me because based on some of the stuff that's going on, but you can't do that. And it really said a lot that Drew kept throwing to him that there, you know, and, and Drew kind of, he, he alluded to this when he was talking, but Drew t- talked about how, Hey, one play can turn that around. And I wonder if that last deep shot to Jerry Judy in some way, what it, Obviously, he was open, had a chance, but also was a little bit of, okay, man, if Jerry can catch this ball, everything else goes away today. We get, we have a chance to go in overtime, and everything else vanishes. I mean, we've seen Demarius Thomas have days like that, right, where he was dropping everything, and then all of a sudden he makes the one big catch. That game against the Patriots back in 2015 comes to mind. Unfortunately for Jerry and Drew, didn't work out. That became the fifth drop. Boy, that, and, and that was really tough, a tough one to watch. Well, and yeah. that, that could even start higher up, not just with Drew, but Pat Shermer saying for weeks, we've been saying how we need to get the ball to Jerry Judy. Now we're going to mm-hmm. do it. I don't care if he has four drops. We're going to go back to him. Drew on this last play or one of these last plays of the game, Jerry Judy's your number one option. It's a deep pass and throw it to him. So they, they're just really trying. And, and you know what, if that's the case, it's smart. The Broncos are five and 10 worst place in the AFC West right now. You're not playing for the playoffs you got to start playing for next year. And what does that mean? It means getting your young players on the same page. And no one is on different pages more than Drew Locke and Jerry Judy. So if that was uh, not just coincidence, I think it was the right thing to do. Yeah, Mace, I want to get more from you uh, about what people said after the game. But first, uh, you asked me about whether I ever had the yips. I had the shanks, which is a little bit different than the yips, but a similar uh, thing where there's somehow a disconnect between what your brain wants your body to do and what your body's doing. Scariest thing that's legitimately ever happened to me in my sporting life. I was convinced I would never hit a golf ball clean again. It was terrifying. Like three straight full buckets, only shanks. Oh, it, it was. It, I, I I I couldn't sleep that night. Um. Anyways. I had blisters on my hands because I just figured the more I swing, the eventually I'll figure this out. Okay, I got to ask you something really quick. For people trying to picture it, did this look like the scene in Tin Cup where Roy McAvoy, he's at the driving range prior to the U.S. Open, and all of a sudden he's, he's trying to get over the shanks, and Romeo tells him to take your tee and put it behind your ear and uh, turn your hat backwards, and all of a sudden he can hit it straight. He's like, well, because you weren't thinking. Your brain was getting in the way. A hundred percent. In fact, wow. like to a T, that's exactly what happened. Um, I was preparing for regionals in high school. Uh, so I was at golf practice. Like my coach was there and everything. And he was just like, like, there's nothing I can tell you. But like, take like if you normally carry your golf balls in your right pocket, switch them to your left pocket. Take your wallet out. Do anything. Like, just change something and see if it works. Um, the next day, I, I went back, and they were gone. So I, I was lucky in that regard. So hopefully that's what happens for Jerry Judy. The segue I was getting to is there's one place where you won't have the shanks, and that is WGT. Now, you might just suck at the game, uh, but once you're good, you won't just randomly get a case of the shanks. I, I feel confident in saying that. Uh, and I think you still have a few more minutes here on the Ho Ho Hole in One Challenge of Aaron Hills Golf Course. Um, what you do is you go to dnvrgolf.com, you download the DNVR, uh, you download the WGT app, you go in, 
to the country club section and join the DNVR for country club. Go into club tournaments and you'll see the ho-ho hole-in-one challenge where you can play and get in on all the fun. And when you play, you instantly get entered to win a prize, which is a DNVR hat or shirt of your choice. And this is the last time to get in for the grand prize. So if you play today, right now, you'll have a chance to get into the grand prize drawing, uh, which is, I've seen what it is, and it's pretty sick. So uh, make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com and download the WGT app. If you've been hit in the mouth by a shank on the golf course, I have the place for you to go, and that is Green Mountain Dental. And we've had several of our DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental over the years, and they have the exact same feedback every single time. They say they treat them just like family, and that's because they are our family over at DNVR. Green Mountain Dental will treat you like family. And if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. And when you go, make a tweet us so that we know you're now part of their family as well. The Sonicare toothbrush are the best in the world. And all you have to do is take care of your teeth in order for them to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. Our director of sales, Lindsay, uh, went to Green Mountain Dental earlier this year. And the dentist called her personally a couple of days later. That is the family service that they deliver. And they will do that for you as well. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver. So make sure to give them a call next time you get hit with a shank or you just need your teeth cleaned. Make sure to schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam. And you'll get that free Sonicare toothbrush. All right, quickly, we got to get to our king of the game presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. And, you know, this guy... He thrives in week 16, week 17, seems every year. If the Broncos are ever in a playoff hunt, he could be extremely valuable. It is Sean Hamilton, your king of the game. Five receptions, 77 yards, some sweet contested catches, 15.4 yards per catch. Should have had a touchdown, uh, which I'm sure Drew Locke would have liked because then it would have been in his passing line instead of his rushing line. Uh, But the Broncos will take the touchdowns however they can get them. Uh, but really an awesome game for Deshaun Hamilton. And like I said, guys, something about those week 17, week 16 games really seem to bring the best out in him. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think the past two years, he's averaged a thousand yard season in the past, in the last four games of the season. He may do that again if he has a big game next week. Just incredible. And how about that last catch that he had? And would that just be the most Chargers thing of Chargers thing ever? If the Broncos end up winning that game after that catch, not only was it a drop pick, but it was Chris Harris Jr. who had that ball bounce up and then Deshaun comes up with that amazing catch for the first down to to give the Broncos a shot. Whether it should have been a field goal or a Hail Mary, they had a shot there on the final play. But Deshaun Hamilton, I mean, he just came out of nowhere and then led the Broncos in receiving today. And you know what? He might have that opportunity next week because uh, we're going to see. It looks like KJ Hamler is going through the concussion protocol and he didn't come back after taking that hit early. So if he doesn't make it through, Zach, I think we're going to see a lot of Deshaun Hamilton. We could be talking about him being the king of next week's game if he plays as often as he did today. Very possible. Very possible. All right, Mace. Uh, it looked like Jerry Judy talked to the media. What did he have to say after the game? Well, he just, you know, first of all, I mean, I mentioned it on Twitter as well, but you have to. You have to tip the cap to him for, and Broncos PR for making sure he was a, he he was available. But tip the cap to him for saying yes to talking. That is what pros 
do is they talk even when they have uh, bad days. And I mean, you know, he, he didn't have a lot to say, understandably so. I mean, he did say he did have the comment where he said, hey, he's never had a, a game like that in his life. He's never experienced anything like that. He said uh, he, he said he watched the ball come in. He dropped it. That's uh, he mentioned that a couple of times, which is interesting because you hear the cliche. Oh, I took my eye off the ball. Jerry wasn't saying anything like that. He's saying, yeah, I saw the ball come in. I looked it in, even said on one play, I was looking at it in slow motion in my mind and just couldn't bring it in. This is the sort of thing that RK may lead to what you're saying, uh, being, uh, being kind of mental really, really here and there. And uh, so that, that was sort of, that was sort of the theme of it. I think he was a little bit uh, baffled. Uh, He, I think he probably feels like, Hey, I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing what I'm coached to do. Uh, Oh, why wasn't I able to make make this grab? And this is something he's going to have to get to, to get past. So th- that was kind of thing that, that that he focused on. He said, and they said, look, I can't well on it. Just got to focus on the little detail. I need to focus on get better, work on my craft. That's really all you can do if you're Jerry Judy right now. I think I think the mental part of this goes way beyond this game, way beyond this four game stretch entering into today, where he only had four catches in those games. I think this could go all the way back to when Cortland Sutton got hurt. And he, he realizes, okay, I should be the number one receiver on this team right now. Look, they got guys like they have a second round pick in KJ Hamler. I'm a first round pick. I should be better than him. Horton Sutton was supposed to be the guy. Now he's hurt. Okay, they have Noah Fant, but he's not a receiver. And then they have guys like Deshaun Hamilton, Mr. Week 16. They got Tim Patrick, who I should be better than. And maybe just got in his head because obviously this season has not gotten his plan. And now he may be pressing. He may be pressing, and the team is certainly pressing to get him the ball. And Drew Locke is now pressing to get him the ball with 15 targets. And it's just all adding on top of each other for just a huge mental gymnastics game that he's playing in there. And clearly, it's not landing. I, I yeah, really – I hurt for Jerry right now. Like, uh, that is a terrible feeling. Um, because, like like you said, Mace, he thought he was doing the right things. And I do think mm-hmm. that is like a case of the yips where literally – your brain and your hands are off by one tick and it just, it doesn't feel right. The fact that you said he saw the ball coming in slow motion to me is actually a negative thing. Why? Because it's like, you want it to get there, you know, like you're, you're like, come on, like get to me. And it feels like it's taking forever to get to you. And and on that last one, it actually looked like he closed his hands a little early before the ball got there. And I think that's just like a, you're so ready to finally make the play that it just feels like it's taking forever to, for the ball to get to you. And you just jump the gun a little bit with your hands. I, I just, I hurt for him um, because no one wants to be that, you know, uh, his Twitter mentions are probably an absolute disaster with people embarrassing themselves right now uh, saying, you know, horrible things to a rookie, a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, hopefully like, like we've been saying this, this will be a turning point for him and, and he'll be better forever after this. Yeah, and I think uh, he can make a great point. And, and also, when he talks about seeing it in slow motion, what that tells me is he's thinking, and it sort of goes back to the yips thing we talked about. You've got to, you know, what is it, what is it that Romeo said to Tin Cup? Your brain was getting in the way. And I wonder if Jerry Judy's brain is getting in the way because he's thinking about what he needs to do, and he needs to get to that point where instead of thinking about what he needs to do, he just does it. And that's something that maybe it's just going gonna, gonna to have to come – after an off-season of work. The other thing that kind of hits me in general is thinking for Judy and all the guys that are having tough years, that that with COVID 
everything you have to go through piled on top of it, I think these guys are, are really ready for the season and they just need a mental break for a while. Yeah, and, without a doubt. And the end of the season couldn't come any sooner. Uh, Drew Locke needs a clean slate. Now, will he get it? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that here in a second. Um, you know, uh, Jerry Judy needs a clean slate. Everyone, it feels like everyone needs a clean slate. Vic Fangio needs a clean slate. Uh, I, I think there'll be a massive sense of relief in that locker room when this season's over and, and a, you know, and it'll quickly turn into, you know, anxiousness for next season, ready, ready to get back out there and show what they could have been if it weren't for this, that, or the other thing this season. So it said, Ryan drew Locke. Mace, what did Vic Fangio have to say about Drew Locke's performance? And where did you think his performance uh, tipped the scales today? Ryan said for him, it didn't move the scales at all. For me, a kind of a tiny step backward uh, for, for, for Drew. So how was he in your eyes, and what did Vic have to say? Yeah, if I don't think it was a step forward. I think, if anything, a little bit of a step backward. Now, the thing that Vic mentioned, he talked about things that need to be done better, and he you know mentioned – tackling he mentioned drop passes he also mentioned that and he came back to it a couple of times that you can't have turnovers like that in the red zone and uh, that and that's and, and that's the thing it was obviously a frustrating moment i mean that that's one where you've got to see coverage you've got to see all the guys that are in front of you and maybe just just eat just eat the ball, take the sack, or or get it away, and at least give your, yourselves a chance for a field goal. For, for a field goal, so I th- I think Vic was very unhappy about the decision that Drew Locke made there, uh, in in that red zone situation, and unfortunately, just in terms of evaluating Drew Locke, when that when the coaches see moments like that, they're accumulating that on top of what's of what's been seen before, and and you start wondering, okay. Is it really getting any better here? Even though you can look at the rest of the game and you can look at the drops and say a bunch of it isn't on Drew Locke, but that one was, and in the coach's minds, they view that as a play that took three points off the board. So Vic was Vic appeared really unhappy about the decision that Drew made. Drew made there when he was throwing when he was throwing to to his left, and uh, unfortunately, uh, in this sum for the Broncos right now. Because turnovers have been such a problem for the team, such a problem for Drew Locke, that thing is it's it's going to it's it's going to be the the, the banner headline that they have internally for what Drew Locke did today. So something happened today, kind of um, some news. I'm not even going to say broke today, but was fortified <laughs> a little bit uh, by Adam Schefter this morning. You know, early in the the wee hours of the morning, Schefter puts out that Vic Fangio will be back in 2021. You know, Ben Albright's been saying that for a while now. We've been saying it on this show that we don't think he's going anywhere. So, uh, like I said, not really breaking news, but news nonetheless when it comes from Adam Schefter. Uh, And I think, for me, it's the first step in a word that we are going to hear ad nauseum this offseason – uh, I think we're going to hear it at the post game or postseason press conference. I think you're going to hear it on this show more than you want to, and you probably already have. And the word is continuity, and I think this is the first step. And when they talk about Pat Shermer, you're going to hear the word continuity. And when John Elway talks about why they brought back Vic Fangio, you're going to hear the word continuity. And when John Elway talks about how they're rolling with Drew Locke next year, you're going to hear about continuity. Uh, I think that is going to be the word of the off season. 
And if it works out, no one's going to talk about it. And if it doesn't work out next season, it's going to become, you know, a, a caricature of itself. You know, oh, look how great continuity is. Um, with Drew, I think he's the the last piece of that puzzle. Um, he is the f- like when when if you I think if you ask John Elway as he delivers that message, which I'm just guessing he'll deliver at some point. Who are you most confident in, in the, when it comes to this continuity? I think Drew Locke will probably be in last place. And so I think if a better opportunity at quarterback readily presents itself to the Broncos, I think they'll they'll approach it. Uh, if Matt Stafford is on the trade block, I think the Broncos will explore it. Uh, Matt Ryan, same story. But I think in general, especially when it comes to the draft, I think that the Broncos, if none of those things, uh, uh, you know, come across their desk, will be rolling forward with Drew Locke and talking about that word continuity more than anyone wants to hear it. I think John Elway is going to try to do everything to get himself Matt Stafford because Vic is now going to be on the hot seat next year. John may be on the hot seat depending on the ownership situation. And I don't think Vic wants to think about the offense anymore. He wants to do what he's doing on the defense. And you know what? He's done a good job of that sometimes this season, including today. I think he doesn't want to worry about the offense when when they're in the red zone and potentially throwing uh, a pick to take points off the board. So I think with Vic coming back, I got to think that gives him even more uh, control of what's going to happen with the quarterback position this year, guys. So I I think, Ryan, if Matt Stafford's available, man, I think they're really going to try to do everything they can to get him. And that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach. And I think uh, that's the one possibility that I think could cause a change at the top of the depth chart as far as the quarterback position goes. But if he's not there, if whoever the GM is in Detroit says, we're rolling with Matt Stafford, this is our best possibility, we can't get somebody better in the draft, then what do you think Vic is looking for? Because for me, I think if Vic is looking for a backstop, a hedge on Drew Locke, I think he's looking for the guy that won't make that mistake, that when you have third down in the red zone, won't try to jam it in there to a hole that doesn't exist and instead we'll just throw it away or take the two-yard scramble and allow the team to kick a field goal. And so you look at quarterbacks that don't make huge mistakes that are hedge types, You're pro- that, that means even though we bring him up from time to time, and I think he's going to have something, maybe less the Marcus or less the Jameis Winston category and more the Marcus Mariota or Tyrod Taylor category, maybe even not even the Ryan Fitzpatrick category because Fitz – you know, sometimes he doesn't know his limitations no. and will and will make some dumb plays. You know, yeah. you don't expect that from a Harvard guy, but being smart doesn't mean you don't necessarily do uh, dumb things on the field from time to time. And, and Fitz is kind of too much of the, uh, you know, high-risk, high-reward guy. And I think if Vic would really, if he brings in a backstop on Drew Locke, it's going to be some someone who doesn't make mistakes and can kind of pair with what he's got. So I think they'd be looking at that Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota class of quarterbacks. Tyrod Taylor was the name that jumped out at me right when you started describing that. Uh, You know, he's a guy who doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, but he also doesn't put the ball in harm's way. And um, the reason, the fact that he doesn't put up a lot of touchdowns is the reason why he's not a starter in this league. 
Um, but the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over is the reason why he's going to have a job until, you know, until he decides he doesn't want to have a job anymore. Um, so that would be a great option. I'd, I'd be all about it. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. when you were going through that list, Mason, and I totally agree with everything you said, but I was I was instantly taking Ryan Fitzmagic, who's a backup yet like a fourth quarter reliever that wins games for them. I guess he didn't against the Broncos, though. And I was also taking Mitchell Trubisky very quickly off that list as he threw into like half of uh, the Jaguars <laughs> uh, receiver today in the end zone. Uh, so I think that would be a high relief for Broncos fans. And the thing is now Mitchell Trubisky is playing his way to the conversation of being a Chicago Bear anyway in 2021 as they sit there now with a playoff spot in their own hands in week 17 if, if Mitchell doesn't drop the ball metaphorically or literally next week. So that 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 one might be off the table anyway. Crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a believer, uh, or maybe not a, a big believer, but I have belief that uh, Mitch Trubisky is a Tannehill candidate, just not in Chicago. Like, you have to be relieved of the place where you, all those expectations were put on you in the first place, and you can just kind of go be you somewhere else. I just, I, Mitchell Trubisky is, in, in my opinion, never going to become that guy in Chicago. While I do think if he were to go somewhere else and get a fresh start, he might have a chance to be the next Tannehill. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, good conversation. Uh, I feel better. I don't know about you guys, the listeners. Um, but the, the, I, I think there's a lot to discuss from this game going forward. Uh, I think there's some positives. Like I said early in the show, maybe one day, Long down the road, we're saying, thank God Jerry Judy dropped that pass. Uh, Because you never know what one play like that, how much it can affect. Shelby Harris, you know, knocks down the ball last year, and we're still thinking about it. Although the Broncos probably – who knows what the Broncos would have done at 10. Um, But we obviously weren't complaining about them getting Jerry Judy. Everything comes full circle. Uh, (laughs) Shelby Harris certainly tried today to bat his way down to a Broncos' worst draft pick. Goodness gracious. I cannot Shelby Harris, maybe the best game I've ever seen him play. He's having a fantastic yeah. season. I mean, holy cow, he bet on himself this year, and boy, is it looking good. Did he make the right decision to come back to Denver on a prove it deal? Well, yeah, yeah, of course. And he's having a son today, and I think that was why he had a little extra giddy up. Like he was he had like legitimate Aaron Donald moments in this game where he was just bowling guys over at the line i was so impressed with him and i hope he comes back i truly think he is your most valuable defensive weapon against patrick mahomes and justin herbert yeah yeah he, he, he's an absolute beast and maybe he shouldn't have had batted passes he should have had sacks instead because that would have kept the clock moving and then he would have been able to get home to denver with his wife a little quicker that is true he kept stopping that damn clock <laughs> he did but those the, those plays he made got the broncos the ball back and for mo- for much of the day uh they were trying to run the ball they try especially early trying to establish the run so he knew the broncos would try to chew more time than the chargers who I think this says it all for why the Chargers blow leads. They're sitting there in the fourth quarter with a double-digit lead, and they go three and out, and they only take 57 seconds off the clock. And you wonder why this team has blown lead after lead over the course of the year. They don't know how to handle that situation. We did a Broncos roundtable not that long ago, and and it kind of lives in infamy now because of how quickly it was um, deemed (laughs) meaningless. Uh, Because the question was, 
uh, you get to keep you get to keep one long term. You get to tag one, and you have to let one go. And the three players were Garrett Bowles, Shelby Harris, and Justin Simmons. And at the time, I said, tag Bowles, sign Simmons, and let Shelby Harris go. And I did right in there, like this is gonna hurt, and I, and I don't want to do it. I think I've changed my mind. Obviously, you already signed Garrett Bowles, but I think if it came down to me, you could only sign one of Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons. I might go Shelby Harris. And Ryan, you would have something on your side to back you up, and that is Vic Fangio can really take any safety and take them a step or two above of what they are right now. And you can have Kareem Jackson here next year. You have a team option on him after this season, so you could keep a very good safety, and then maybe you have confidence in Trey Marshall. Maybe you say you're going to take a second-round safety and let Vic Fangio do his magic with him, but you don't want to let a guy who is like the best in the league at batting passes. And also, he's been very good in the run game, very good in the pass game and other aspects. So, yeah, I mean, they, you have backing to that. Yeah, yeah again, but, you know, I would hate it. I don't want to let go of Justin. Yeah. But there is a, a big part of me that says, man, that would be uh, – it would be really hard to let, Just, uh, to let Shelby Harris go after what we've seen this year. Is tagging him and then signing him a month later – after Demarcus Lawrence, when he got the second tag, is that an option or is it tag and that's it? <laughs> because if you can if you, if you can tag Justin, but get done a month from now, I'm gonna have my cake and eat it too. The problem is, I don't, if the Broncos can't get something done with Justin quickly after they tag him, you're saying goodbye to him after next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. In Hopefully, they can bring both guys back. Uh, that would be the best case scenario, obviously, and. And we'll talk more about this during the week. Uh, we'll talk more about the future for Drew Locke and the rest of the coaching staff now that we know Vic Fangio's for sure safe. Uh, and we'll talk about this final matchup with the Oakland Raiders. So stick with us. Of course, we'll be live on Monday and Wednesday. And you can catch our show every single day wherever you listen to podcasts. If you watch us on YouTube, we'd love if you hit us with a thumbs up uh, and maybe a subscribe to our YouTube channel we're trying to add there. Uh, but regardless, thank you all for tuning in uh, and have a great night.